more than two to build a village but it takes at least two people to talk the springsteen archives especially if we let them pile up i am jesse jackson <laughs> and joining me is my um partner in all things archive and my springsteen brother terry how are you doing terry i'm great jesse and uh, as always good to be here and you probably heard me giggling about yeah letting them pile up they I continue to think they're coming out faster than once a month, but I'm not sure I'm right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting, as we've shared before, you know, this is an excuse for Terry and I to have a, um, a chance to talk about once a month. And, uh, you know, we're all both busy and doing things and all of a sudden we're like, oh, hey, looks like there's three out now, Jesse, maybe we should talk. And I go, yep. yes, we should. Uh, but I would be remiss, like, how are you doing, my brother? Uh, we're doing well. I've um, I got into at the start of this year. It suddenly occurred to me that spending my time talking about getting back to normal and wishing about getting back to normal has to be the opposite of the mindfulness stuff I'm supposed to be doing. So um, that was a big change for me. So uh, yeah, we're we're doing well. We've had some health challenges and weather challenges, but we're in good shape. We're in good shape, and music continues to be a big part of that. So that's great. Well, good. Well, things are going well here in uh, Dallas. Um, my, uh, we were talking before we hit record. It's incredibly cold here, and I know my friends up the Northeast and uh, you know, well, Canada will go. Psh, but for Texas, a high of fifteen or twenty is cold. <laughs> just to be clear, cold. Jesse, it's cold for anywhere. You know, it's just yes. those places like Chicago are freakish in my view. <laughs> yes. So uh, we are doing well, and um, so I, I'm excited. We have three archives to talk. Uh, we probably are going to spend a little time talking about uh, the Super Bowl Jeep ad. Yep. Uh, and we'll go from there. For those of you wanting to know, um, we probably won't be touching on Bruce's little bitty um, issue. Uh, there, I'm kind of waiting for the story to play out. Yep. Uh, so I just don't think it's my part to talk about it. Uh, that's not this kind of podcast. At least that's how I think about it. You too, Terry? I think that's a good editorial decision, Jesse. Well done. Yeah. Very good. All right. So uh, we have three to talk about. And so I think the first one up is Madison Square Garden, November 7th, 2009. Uh, this was the Working on the Dream Tour. And the feeling I got, and I certainly will hope you will speak up, is that um, the band kind of got bored playing the original music out of uh, working on a dream and toward the end started playing with full album uh, set lists. Yep. Yeah. Um, I saw working on the dream early. I can't remember if it was a Dallas or Houston show. I believe it was. Uh, yeah, it must've been Dallas. Uh, Cause he opened with outlaw Pete. Um, 
so I, I know that a lot of people were really excited that he would do full album shows. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I have mixed views in that, um, you know, I think one of the great things about a Bruce show is, is the unpredictability. Um, so, you know, the fact that you know what's coming. That said, um, I have seen a number and enjoyed all of them. Would you believe the one I've never seen Born to Run? <laughs> oh, how funny. I've had Darkness three times, and which is great. Uh, but, yeah, I've, so the one I haven't seen. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think I would have given anything to have been at this show, given the album uh, he chose. So uh, I think as a one-off, um, you know, this was just fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I'm... Um, I think you have to keep them as special, if that makes sense. You know, that it should be an element of surprise and it should be an element of unpredictability. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad he did them and I'm glad I saw the ones I did. Yeah, um, I enjoyed, I saw the River Tour four times and yeah. so, um, and was happy to see them each time uh, because of the diversity of the songs on the river. Uh, and then you got the little mini greatest hits at the end. Um, the first full album show I went to was when Brian Wilson was touring doing Pet Sounds yep. with a local orchestra. So the Dallas um, orchestra played with him. And so that was kind of fun that to hear Pet Sounds from beginning to end and then kind of a greatest hits of Beach Boys afterwards was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. If you go and look, um, then a lot of people credit Brian Wilson with starting the whole... I mean, you know, Floyd used to do it in the 70s, but I think mm -hmm. it was him who sort of kicked it off in the noughties of uh, the success of doing Pet Sounds was got people... Um, got bands going and I think got the marketing people of this is a great way to do the 20th anniversary, 30th anniversary. Yes. <laughs> All of that stuff. Yeah, and I absolutely would love, in fact, you know, one of the things we'll talk about is on a couple of the other shows we're going, we're going to talk about, um, you know, I would love um, a tunnel of love or a magic. Correct. Uh, you know, and... <laughs> As right now, right, we got Western stars on film, yep. but, uh, you know, I, I would have no problem with uh, Bruce is like, okay, we're, we're just going to do letter to you directly and then we'll do some other stuff. Yep. So I, I'm looking forward to when we get him touring again, how he seeds in the songs, you know, in the set list Absolutely. to tell the narrative. Absolutely. I mean, the thing that when, you know, when I was looking at this one and um, I know, you, you know, you're, you're reviewing it is yeah. you've talked in the past of, you know, coming, coming to Bruce in the reunion era. Yeah. So I was interested how you as a fan viewed, you know, if, if you'd have gone to this gig, how would you have felt? Because, I mean, not only, he not only does the whole of Wild the Innocent, but he starts with Thundercrack, for God's sake. <laughs> Now, I would have loved to seen Thundercrack live. I still, that is on my list of songs I'd love to hear. I love, I don't understand how that never made an album. Yeah. I don't understand how he doesn't play that routinely. Yeah. Um, but I would have been, you know, my good friend Sam 
did not go to any of the river shows because he said, you know, half of the songs on the river I don't enjoy. So if I know I'm going to get those, why bother going live? Interesting. I, because I'm chasing, um, because I have not seen, I did not see Bruce until 2002, I, I will see him doing anything. In other words, now, maybe if I'd had 100 shows under my belt, I might have gone, well, you know, this is one I'll just pass on, right? Um, I would have gone, but I will tell you, if we weren't going to discuss this, I probably would not have purchased it. That's interesting. That's it. I went, go on, go on. Yeah. Go ahead, please. No, I was going to say, I mean, for me, um, I mean, it was while The Innocent was the first album... Uh, I listened to Greetings and thought it was okay, but a bit New Dillonish. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a different view of those songs now because I think he's done a great job over the years of sort of refreshing them and really, you know, making them sound like they should have done on the album. But While the Innocent was an album I absolutely adored, and I, I think I've shared this before, but, you know, when Born to Run came out, I was like, mm, I'm not sure I like this new direction. <laughs> so for me, you know, to hear, and I still think, and of course I go back to vinyl, you know, side two of While the Innocent with Incident, you know, into Rosie, which I've I've heard Incident a number of times live. I've obviously heard Rosie a number of times. I've never heard the two together. I just think that flow is brilliant. And then New York City Serenade, which I was lucky enough to hear four times in Australia, you know, that 20-ish minutes, I, I think it's one of the great sides of vinyl ever, not just in Bruce's catalogue, but ever. Um, so, you know, for me, and one of the things I've been thinking about, Jesse, and we've talked about it in the past, is how how many of these releases are essential? Right. Because to my horror, and I, it's one of those decisions you take and then you think, mm, if I'd realised how many they were going to do, I might have done it differently, but... I committed to myself that I would buy the high-quality download and the CD of every release. Well, we're now hitting just over 60, would you believe? Yes. No. <laughs> now, I don't have all... I've realised I don't have all 60. I've got about 54. I've got some I've obviously missed. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I might do that differently. But this, for me, would absolutely be in my essential list, you know, just the fact that he played the whole album live. So... So when I started listening to it, um, I I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Like I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't have any, I don't dislike East Street Shuffle. I don't dislike Sandy or Kitty's Back or Wild Billy Circus. It just, I don't, they don't speak to me emotionally. Yep. Um, so it was interesting to hear the band do it. And then what I did think was fascinating about this set list is the diversity of it once, like he did that album, and then, you know, we get Human Touch, Glory Days, yeah. um, you know, and I think as we go through, um, you know, The Rising, Born to Run, Wrecking Ball, Bobby Jean, American Land, Dancing in the Dark, Your Love Keeps Lifting Me with Elvis Costello. That's a pretty solid, you know, in baseball terms, you know, a pretty massive lineup, right? Like like Killer's Row of talk about ending an album, ending a show strong. Yeah, I would, I mean, for me, um, I, I totally agree with that. Um, interestingly, you know, the one track I've written down is Human Touch because I think that version is great. And, you know, 
Elvis Costello. I'm a massive Elvis Costello fan as well, so that's a great way to finish. And then, as I say at the start, the thing I love is, you know, and um, I think at the time people knew that he was going to do this. This was the album he was going to do that night. But as I say, to start, you know, you think any other artist would be tempted to, oh, I'll just, I'm playing what is a relatively, it's a relatively obscure album. It's an early album. Yes. The rest of the set will just, I'll pack full of hits. And he starts with Thundercrack and then he does Seeds. (laughs) And that's why I love seeing him live because, you know, I think he thinks about his set list. And when people talk about surprises, it's not just audibles. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have yeah. thought it to come out with, you know, prove it all night and start with Badlands or something, and it does something yes. different. So all credit, I think. Now, Seeds is a sore spot with me because I saw it at Houston uh, when. So it must have been, must have been the Magic Tour when I was in Houston. He opened with Seeds because it has Houston in it. Yep. And then in Houston, 2014. Thy hopes, and this is documented, he was going to open with This Is Your Sword, which is one of the songs I adore. And Tom Morella looked over him right before they were going on stage and said, hey, we're in Houston. We should do Seeds. And Bruce says, okay. So he scratches out This Is Your Sword and opens with Seeds. So I am still bitter. This is seven years later. (laughs) Hey, this stuff matters. (laughs) <laughs> it right like okay this is okay i i've already been to houston i've already heard you do seeds now then i this is a song i'm chasing it is on the set list and at the last minute damn you tom morello damn you tom morello uh, that, you know that, when the crowd went crazy hearing the song and and i know they looked at each other and like good call good call and there's this short little fat guy in the you know the, getting grumpy going, damn it damn it damn it <laughs> well i i always when things like that ha- happen, you know, and you think that's divine intervention, I, I always trot out the Tom Waits line, which is, there ain't no devil, there's just God when he's drunk. Exactly. Uh, you know, and that's, I love that's that. somebody going, yep, I'm sorry, Jesse, it's not yes. not going to happen. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I think this ended up being a really fun set list, and I, I, I think you said that really well, Terry. Um, the diversity, because you're right, he could have... Um, done other things but you know he raise your hand does this bus stop at 82nd street yep you know a rare you know he doesn't do glory days live a lot um i mean not like it's a rarity but you don't usually get glory days and born to run uh so i think that was a lot of fun it was a great show and it seemed like the east street orchestra was having a good time yeah, I think to play that stuff must be uh, must be a lot of fun. I must give credit, by the way, and I should have his name in front of me, I don't, but there's a guy who produces an essay with every uh, release, and he picked up on the glory days because, of course, I think Bruce says something like, we have to do this, and I'd never thought about it, but, of course, when you're playing the album you did 30 years ago, that's the ultimate of glory days, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had not. I had not put the two dots together. I but haven't absolutely. either. So that was to his That's credit. That's very, very good. <laughs> um, so, well, before we move on, uh, what is the one album if you could have him? And we're going to take letter to you away from us. Uh, what is the one album that you would want to hear live? Uh, well, I would uh, from start to finish. 
Yeah, it would have to be Born to Run because I haven't. Yeah. Um, if it was uh, if it was outside of the ones he's already done, um, I would love to see Tunnel of Love. I think it's probably his most underrated album. And after that, I think you said it before, Jesse Magic. Yeah. I'd love to hear that from start to finish live. Those are the two I would pick as well. Um, I think that would be um, a lot of fun, and to hear him do that uh, would be great. Um, so any final thoughts before we move on to our wrecking ball select selection? No, but I, I, I have, as I say, I have that album in my essential list. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I think I would not have done, um, this either. Um, you know, I would not have picked that. I would have said, no, no, no. But now that I've heard it, I'm really, really happy that we, we, that I picked this up like, okay, this, yeah, this I should have gotten. So that's good. Um, all right. So the next, uh, release they had us, which I was very happy about is St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, 11, 12, 2012 wrecking ball tour. Um, what I was thought was really funny. And as I name drop, um, as I already mentioned, Betsy Hodges, who is the former mayor, I asked her, had she ever gotten to like made it Bruce Springsteen day when she was a mayor and given him key of the city. Um, and, um, she said no, because he always played St. Paul, uh, because it was a bigger arena. So she never did. Uh, she did though, get to meet John Hyatt and do a dedication for the, all the work John Hyatt has done, especially for, uh, teenage, um, people fighting uh, um, abuse and um, having um, addiction, teenage addiction. He's done a lot of work for that and she was able to do it. So, um, but I did have, and and this week, um, Chris Coleman, who is the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota, is also a huge Springsteen fan. And so Betsy connected me and so Chris talked to me. Oh, wow. yeah, at the very beginning of the episode, I, I urge everyone to go. He he was before the show, and little Steven and a couple other people are there, and little Steven looked at the proclamation that they named the street in front of the um, Excel Energy Center, you know, E Street Band for a week. And so little Steven came back and I saying, what, a week? What's going on? If it was Prince, what, you didn't want to upset <laughs> Prince because, you know, take it long. And uh, supposedly Chris said, he's from, Minas- he's from Minneapolis. I don't care what he thinks. Oh, wow. Uh, and little Steven's like, okay, you're okay. I like you. <laughs> so, um, so that was the thing. Um Wrecking Ball held a special place in my heart. It was the first show that I had gone where I'd seen multiple shows. Um, It is Linda's favorite album. Um, So my only regret about this one is I wish there were more Wrecking Ball songs on this set list. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I look at what I've written down, um, and you've got... I mean, I'm always a great believer that it's, it's almost like a game uh, sport, isn't it? That, you know, yeah. the, the great games you can tell in the first 10 minutes that, wow, there's something going on. You know, an audible of I'm a rocker to start 
and he'd never started before with it is that's a sign you know yeah that is um but the songs i've written down and i i like you love wrecking ball and i think it the songs work brilliantly live but you look you've got i'm a rocker you've got loose ends you've got something in the night and stolen car stolen car remember this was before the river tour so that was a real rarity uh, east oh, street yeah. shuffle you've then got the version of devils and dust because it's uh, veterans day and Youngstown into Murder Incorporated is one of my favourite sort of twofers. Um, but, of course, none of those are Wrecking Ball songs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I also had, I had Pay Me My Money Down because I did not see the Seeger Sessions live. Right. You know, and look at earlier, we talked about you seeing the show in London and mm going that so that was kind of a fun thing and as i've told the story many times that is chris's anytime he's up for a review or a bonus he always pay me pay me my money down internally to me he's like i'm going to talk to my review they need to bruce pay me my money down so (laughs) (laughs) um well i always like it of course because bill gates gets a mention Yes, absolutely. And then, <laughs> you know, I agree with you. Devils and Dust was kind of a fun, like, oh, that's kind of lovely that we get yeah. that pulled. Yeah. Um, great version of Shackled and Drawn. Um, and I think that she's the one to Shackled and Drawn waiting on a sunny day. Kind of an interesting trilogy yeah. of the way they work through that. So I was really happy with that. Um, and then during this time they were closing with American land and I just love that song. So I'm always happy to hear a live version of American land. Um, You know, I think it's such a, a powerful song of, you know, I have a friend, Sam, the guy who didn't see it. He says that in his, he thinks American land and land of hope and dreams are together or what everyone who doesn't follow is what born in the USA they think means. <laughs> that's a good story. That's a good, I, I, that's said, a good yeah, I said, there is a lot of truth to that, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I really like that. My only low light was there needed more wrecking ball tracks though. I don't know what I would have taken out of the set because he, once again, he's doing a pretty diverse um, set that for your, your newer fans, your old classic fans, I I think they're once again, he does a good job of spraying things around. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I'd have, uh, you know, if I was categorizing, which I've started thinking about then um, Mm -hmm. would, would this be essential? No, but it would certainly be the level below that that says, and you know, back to the name of your podcast, I think it, it's one of those that you look at the set list and just think, wow, that looks interesting. And I think the performances are great. Um, but I think yeah. it's, it is a really interesting set list. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you there. I think, um, you know, I would have looked at this and, and said, well, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, but I do think right underneath it, is the right level. Like, and, you know, we've never done this where um, there is a... Um, one of the podcasts I listen to fairly often is tuning into sci-fi TV and they do a rating where uh, they go through all the different science fiction shows of the week and they do watch it now, watch it soon, 
let it wait, skip it. Okay, <laughs> you know? that's good. And so similar to that, right, we would have download it now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, should, we should work on that. <laughs> yes, well, we should. Well, that is probably a great link then to the third one, uh, which yes. I'm going to because, um, well, let me let me give you some background and then I'll, I'll talk through my view on it. So uh, the first thing is that Ghost of Tom Joad is the only tour since... Um, the original river that I haven't seen. Oh, so okay. um, if you think about it, it was like it was still early days of internet getting tickets. And if if I'm honest, my interest, if ever there was a period where my interest had waned, I didn't love Ghost of Tom Joad as an album. Um, but, you know, he was playing small theatres. It was really hard. So I didn't get tickets. Um, so... That's always been a special tour in that context. I then got the bootleg of him at Brixton Academy, um, which is probably my favourite ever bootleg. Now, obviously, I heard, you know, the Darkness ones in the early days, and this they're special as well, but it was like a, well, you, you're never going to, you, you you were never going to fly to the states in 1978 to go and see him. Whereas 95, there was that regret that I had missed it. And I do think the Brixton Academy show is just fantastic. Um, I am surprised that it hasn't come out in the archive series. Um, they issued a show from Belfast, which was I think a couple of weeks before, and very very similar. Um, but um, so that's that. That's why this was an interesting one for me. The other thing is, I mean, <laughs> the the blurb on the website says the little heard fifth leg of the tour, and I'm like, I didn't even know there was a fifth leg of the tour. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I looked at Setlist FM, and basically, and of course he's been doing this more and less. I, I think Bruce and probably Patty decided to have an early an early summer break in Europe. Um, because in the space of three weeks, he played Stockholm, Vienna, Warsaw, Prague, Lyon, Montpellier, Nice, which we'll talk about, Toulouse, Florence, Naples, and Paris. Now, I have to say, there's not a single location there that I wouldn't want to go to. <laughs> um, so, go on. No, I just was... I've never thought about that, right? Like, but if you... If it's post-COVID or pre-COVID, right, uh, you're Bruce Springsteen, right? It is. It would be fairly easy to set up um, a small tour, um, especially in these smaller venues, right? Yep. That they would pay you to have vacation time, right? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's, there's a there's a lo- there's a brilliant um, British artist, female Laura Marling. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, when we were living in Seattle, she, she did, she called it something like, um, I'm on holiday, so I might as well play a few gigs tour. Yes. Um, and she literally flew to the West coast of the U S she brought two guitars with her, no band, nothing. And then she played half a dozen gigs down the coast, basically to pay for her holiday. <laughs> I think that is brilliant. So, uh, so I think Bruce did the same cause that is a very, you know, Nice is a lovely place to go to. I used to get the fortunate to go every year in October for a big conference we did. Um, but it's not the center of rock and roll, you know, um, yeah. but it's a lovely place to go to in May and this, you know, the temperature will be in the, High 70s, probably. So with that as background, the other thing is the niche show, uh, it was very 
poignant, I guess, for me to listen to it because it was recorded the day after my 40th birthday. Oh, very So it was one of those, you know, you look at the date and you go, I know what I was doing that weekend. I can, you know, we had a big party. Mm-hmm. We had friends and family staying and that. So that was a, a connection. Um, and what I did, actually, it's also, I suspect, other than maybe the Christic shows and those, it's probably the shortest standard release they've done because it comes in at an hour and 51, which is interesting when we, we talk about three hours shows being short. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's at the end of 18 months, he's performing really well. So I think it was Wednesday night, I sat down, a uh, nice glass of wine, and I listened to the show. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I treated it as, you know, if whatever I'm paying for the high def, $40. You know, if I had $40 to go and see, pay $40 to go and see Bruce, I'd do it without thinking. So I thoroughly enjoyed the two hours, but I then thought about it. And thought, yeah, but there's unlike the other shows we've talked to today and previously, there's nothing in this that makes you go, "Wow, that's that's a surprise, that's different." I mean, you've got, um, you know, you've got obviously Ghost of Tom Joad, you've got Atlantic City in there, Brothers Under the Bridge, Across the Border, although he doesn't tell the story about. Um, Grapes of Wrath and John Ford's film, which is one of my favourite th- things ever. You've got This Hard Land in there. But, uh, oh, the only the only vague surprise, I guess, is the working on the highway, you can see, you know, what it might have sounded like if it had been on Nebraska. Um, but there's nothing in this that, you know, I, I suspect I will not listen to this show again. Because if I'm going to listen to The Ghost of Tom Joad, actually I'll go back to Brixton, and if not, I'll go to the Belfast show. So that was an interesting one to me of, you know, uh, at what stage do they decide, do you know what, we've released enough? So I think that's interesting because what originally when we were discussing this, you know, I said, um, I really do not like Ghost of Tom Joad. You know, just it's it's I've listened to the album once. It's a little too depressing for me. Um, yep. And in my white privilege, I'm like, ah, I don't want to think about that. Uh, you know, I so yep. I acknowledge that this may not be it might be something that needed to be told, but it isn't. And so when I saw this, I went, OK, you know, I, I need to buy it because Terry and I are going to talk <laughs> about it. But um, if I can, if I can ask Terry to do the heavy lifting, uh, I'm hopefully he's going to be okay with it. And you were. <laughs> um, I liked it's the little things that count and yes. redheaded woman. Uh, but I am right where you are. I probably would have skipped this one. I would have said, nope, this isn't one I really need. Uh, let's maybe there's a different where he's doing a little bit more diversity with during this acoustic turn. Um, you know, I liked the Devils, Devils and Dust tour was the second live show I went to. Yeah. So I would, I like those songs better than I do. And maybe that's because candidly, Devils and Dust was the first album after i had seen the rising tour and so i i studied devils and dust in the cd player over and over and over again hoping that i'd get to see him live and then i would know every song yeah 
right? Like, okay, you're not going to catch me unaware this time, Bruce. <laughs> I'm ready, you know, it, as if it was Springsteen Jeopardy, yep. you know, uh, name that tune. And so I have a lot of affection with those songs. Um, here, not so much. It, and I enjoyed it. I listened all the way through. I said, this is a pretty good show. Uh, if I was there live, I would be very happy and yes. pleased uh, that I'd see it. But yeah, I do agree. And uh, I have not read Eric Flanagan's essay on it. Uh, though now that you remind me that they're there, I want to go back and hear it. Uh, yeah, this was this was fine, and I'm sure the people that were there had a great time. Uh, but yeah, this was not something that I go. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad. Like example, when we talked about the new the London show uh, that you were at, where he debuted that song, right? Uh, Long walk home. Yeah, Long Walk Home, like, oh, okay, this is something that's kind of for archaic archive purposes, for historical, oh, this is kind of cool. Yep. Um, we've had Redheaded Woman before, you know, uh, we've heard Acoustical, It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City, uh, so you're right, Working on the Highway is interesting to hear that version, but nothing absolutely stand out. The only, the only other thing that I thought was interesting um, uh, is that, of course, you know, people always talk about the fact that European audiences are so much more respectful. Well, if you listen to this, you realise that's not always the case. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. 80, 18 months in, he's still getting, oh, can I have some quiet, please? Um, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, as I say, a a good performance, but I it's, the, it's one of the first, it's one of the few where I've looked and thought, why did they release that? You know, what was the rationale? So, uh, yeah. You know, and um, None But The Brave is another Springsteen podcast, um, and the guys do this as well. They talk every month about archives, and, um, you know, they are old school fans, so like anything from 77, 78, you know, they keep going like – are there others unreleased back then? You know, and that's not my favorite era, so – be, are there specific errors you wish they would leave, um, would release more at? I would love to, and apparently there's technical issues, but I, uh, you know, I would love to hear more of the rising shows. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably the most. It's when I first really got into bootlegging when the when a mm-hmm. um, a tour was going on. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, so there's a lot there, but as I say, apparently there's uh, there's some technical issues with the recording. The what I forget which of the three shows actually. I think it was, um, I think it was the St. Paul show. If you look in the notes, there is something that says there's a couple of tracks where they they lost the multi-track recording and they've replaced it with the two-channel source. So it also suggests to me that they're getting to the stage of. You know the obvious shows where they've got high quality recordings are coming to an end. I think, uh, and it's yeah. going to be it's going to be interesting. And I guess my final observation would be, you know, when he did Broadway, we were all surprised at the fact he could go out every night and do the same show. But if you look at the Ghost of Tom Joad tour, it didn't. And Eric Flanagan makes a point of that it didn't change a lot over that eighteen months. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was a lot of the songs and a lot of the stories stayed the same. So. Yeah, worth a listen. Um, you know, if you've got the str- the streaming subscription on nugs.net, then it's probably one to listen to. But if you're paying to download it, probably not. 
Yeah, um, I would absolutely love. Um, I had a bootleg CD. I somehow over the years missed it of my first show, the 2002 Rising in Dallas, Texas. And yes, I would love that show. I tend to. I think every like most of us, you want to buy the shows that you've been to. Yes. Yes. Right. So I would love to have that first show. Um, I would love to have the, you know, that second show, the Grand Prairie show, the Four Devils and Dust. So absolutely, I agree with you. Um, well done. Very good, sir. Uh, I think we've got a few minutes. Um, had you seen the Jeep commercial early? Or were you watching at whatever O-Dark 30 time it was for the Super Bowl and uh, saw it live? You see, there there is a great example of two nations separated by um, different cultures. So uh, I did watch the Super Bowl. I have to admit that I, because um, it kicked off at just before midnight over here, um, I watched until the end of first quarter. I then went to bed. I got up the next morning, did not look at my phone, and watched the rest of the game on Monday morning. But, of course, I'm watching on BBC, so they cut all the adverts out. <laughs> oh, how funny! So, and actually, Sky, even they, they don't have the rights to the adverts. So uh, the first thing I was going to say is, of course, you know, having lived in the US, I, I get the importance of Super Bowl adverts. But over here, we don't even get them. <laughs> um so, but I had seen it, um, and I said to you before we pressed record, Jesse, uh, I guess two things. One, I've obviously had a week to reflect on it. Two, um, flattery aside, uh, you know, 11 out of 10 for you, um, just sending out the message saying, you know, people give me input, I'm putting the show together. Uh, I really think you did a great job. Um, and all I'll say is um, your, your summary at the end, I'd vote for you, my friend. Um, oh, well, thank you. That's very <laughs> kind. Um, um, in terms of the ad, let me tell you where I've got to. And how, uh, for sure. once, I have prepped this, which is uh, five or six points. I think the first thing is clearly, you know, it goes without saying, he's entitled to do what he wants. Um, and I suspect, and I hope the only criteria at this stage of his career is, does it feel right for him? You know, um, I think he's earned the right, I mean... Uh, I don't think there's many artists who actually value their fan base as much as he does, but I'm hoping he doesn't do anything where it's like, will this please or displease the fans? It's, hey, I'm going to do my stuff. Um, so I think that's worth saying. And I think because of that is what he's doing. Do I think it's heartfelt? Do I think it's genuine? Do I think it's sincere? Do I think it's authentic? Yes, I do. Um, I also think it's beautifully produced. Uh, him and Tom Zimney, one of your callers talked about this, but, you know, they've clearly developed a house style, um, but it happens to be a style I like. Um, so all of that is the goodness, but I guess my bottom line is I don't think it works. Um, and I think I don't have any data to support this, but my gut instinct, and again, I think your your show did a good job of illustrating this. I think he managed to produce something that more people, wherever they sit on the spectrum, have an issue with than people were inspired by. Um, you know, I did go on YouTube and look at some of the comments, uh, I guess from people uh, not in the middle and not on the side of the fence that you and I are on. And I actually, I had some, you know, people were posting, you haven't, to, you know, 
to Bruce, if you like. You haven't been in the middle for the past four years with your comments. Right. Kind of true. Um, yes. And, you know, I admire the call for unity and meeting in the middle. And, you know, not as severe as you, but we have our own challenges over here with Brexit. So we're going through that same thing. But I, I go back to a good friend of mine who's been on my podcast and is reference band number, I guess, Mike Pegg. But, you know, he used to work with dysfunctional families in at one point in his career. And an example he always gives is divorce, that, you know, you've got a couple going through divorce and it's really awful and difficult. Now, in that situation, if you say, hey, guys, it doesn't need to be like this, just meet in the middle, that isn't going to work. If you say to them, what do you want to do in terms of getting your children through this? They'll suddenly go, oh, well, we want to do the right thing. And and they've yeah. got they've got some they've got a catalyst that will hopefully help. I have to say, in my own case, it wasn't, and it's something I regret. But, you know, if you just take the example that saying meeting in the middle is, isn't is enough, and I know it's your favourite song. Uh, it's obviously what Bruce actually um, did on the night of the inauguration. But if you look at Land of Hope and Dreams, that is a message that says America is a nation f- full of different people different backgrounds, different views, different opinion. And I think a message saying, and you referenced some of this in your close, let's respect our differences and let's be respectful to each other, I think personally would have been far more impactful. Yeah. um, You know, I have a very good friend who is more conservative than I. And, you know, he says... I want to get to the point where you want safe borders. I want safe borders. We disagree how to get there. I want everyone to have health insurance. You want everyone to have health insurance. We disagree how to do this. Let's figure it out. You know, um, and I think that's what we were trying for. I do. um, Someone I work with is very, very conservative and shared with me that, you know, he feels that the election was rigged and there's an illegal member in the White House. And I just said, okay, we can't talk about this. Uh, you know, let's, let's move on. Um, you know, and he sent me a link of a lady that was very conservative and saying, first off, she didn't even recognize that it was Bruce Springsteen. And she said that if you're going to have that message, you should have had someone else because he has been so critical of the former president so much that, you know, hey, Kettle, this is pot, you're black, right? Um, I I just, I understand that. And I, I, I do say, I think the good intention is gone dry as a bone. I think he meant it, but it is kind of funny that um, just as many people on the far right and just as many from the far left, how dare you, sir? <laughs> it's like, holy crap, you can't win. Yep, yep. Um, and I guess the other thing is, whilst I know people get confused about, you know, who is Bruce and all of that, you know, one of his great things as a songwriter is, yeah. is building characters mm-hmm. and also letting you know his words having an impact so you you go back to um brothers under the bridge you know and how mm-hmm. that finishes and you think that 
the words aren't much, but the impact's massive. And you know, if you read the words on the website, they are, and I, I don't, I'm not damning with faint praise here. They are well intentioned and they are nice words, but there isn't the grit and the realism in there and the practicality that I think he normally has. Yeah, I, 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 I would be fascinated to know how long he knew he was going to be, you know, what preparation yeah. he had. And I guess my final thing would be, and this is probably an unfair comparison, but if you look at the uh, young lady at the inauguration who yeah. produced the poem, you know, that was something that did seem to connect with people across yes. the board. Um, yeah, I, I think she was absolutely brilliant and, and just so... Um, so inspiring and uh, yeah I met multiple people shared this on twitter but um the the interact someone said the the um the amount of interactions and the amount of um what happened the reaction to bruce's middle commercial shows how far we are away from the Correct. middle Correct. Like, you know um that you know we'll do and um you know so we will see um i i do think he was trying to do a good thing and uh and i do think it did fit very perfectly into uh western stars or i mean it could easily have been in fact the night when it broke before the Super Bowl, I actually tweeted, this looks legit, but I was like, that almost looks like a scene directly from Western Stars. Has oh, someone, yeah. has someone, you know, because I've seen plenty of times, especially in the Doctor Who world, where people will pull different things, put together a fake trailer <laughs> that looks as real as anything. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I'm not sure when we, this episode will come out, uh, probably in the next week or two. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way, everyone. <laughs> um, March is Friendship Month uh, in at Set Listing Bruce. I have currently six and another two or three scheduled to record of people who have a friendship because of Bruce's music. Um, I have a two guys named Scott that met at summer camp and then later found each other after college and they have gone to multiple shows together. I have a uh, Colleen and Adele who both are very active. They both are professional uh, people who fight hunger in the different hunger banks for one in New Jersey, one in um, Minnesota and they met at conferences and became friends and have never been to a show together, but their bond of their passion for feeding the hungry and their Springsteen have been there. So yeah, I have a whole bunch of groups of those. I have a son and a father coming up. So, um, that's a I fantastic, thought, a fantastic idea, Jesse. Fantastic. Idea. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, it would be, it would be hard to do, but maybe this spring, um, you and I have ended up making this community of mutual Set Lusting Bruce music talk of <laughs> uh, friends and fans, right? We have, we have. That, um, that have been sh mutual guests on both our shows that we've connected because of this. And I, uh, I said, oh, that would be an interesting discussion for us to have sometime. 
Okay, let's let's think about that. That could be yeah, that could I think be that lot, would be very good. That could be a lot. Of yeah. So, uh, as always, I love visiting with you. I am Likewise, glad so. you and your family are staying safe, and I am hope you stay warm as you fight through this cold winter. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, I am making chili here, uh, and uh, I may make a seafood gumbo uh, later this week to get us through the cold. Um, I hope you have a lovely Valentine's Day. I hope our listeners have a lovely Valentine's Day, and if you are feeling alone, if you are feeling um, a little despair during this cold winter, know that you are loved, you are important, and we care about you. That's lovely, Jesse. Great to catch up with you. Let's go out with a bit of, as you say, Valentine's Day. Driving a big lazy car, rushing up the highway in the dark. I got one hand steady on the wheel, one hand's trembling over my heart. And it's pounding, baby, like it's gonna bust right on through. And it ain't gonna stop till I'm alone again with you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.